Hey everyone, I'm Mike Levy, and this is the 88th episode of the Pink Bike Podcast. And today, we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, as well as many of you out there, how to be a cheapskate. Or maybe where and how to save money on all this mountain bike gear without getting screwed by buying junk would be a better way to put it. Now, there's a big difference between saving some coin by finding a good deal and saving some coin by buying gear or even an entire bike that's going to fall apart after a few days of abuse. One is smart shopping and the other is pretty much just throwing your money away, which is exactly what you didn't want to do in the first place. So later on in this show, we're going to talk about how to save money on an entire bike, if buying used is worth it, the components where it makes next to no difference on the trail to spend more and some of our favorite ways to be cheap bastards without actually looking like cheap bastards. But first, we've got some stories about saving money going wrong. I'm going to start. Mine mine involves a dollar store, Brian and Alicia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, perfect. So I've got a local dollar store. It's about 500 feet away from my house, and I do most of my grocery shopping there, along with all sorts of other things. This is your Christmas gift shopping. <laughs> yeah. Secret Santa for pink like bike. Valentine's. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> One day, I was walking through those halls, and I found a stick of deodorant. It cost $1. And I thought, how could this go wrong, right? So this stick of deodorant, it had flames on the package, which is probably never a good sign, but it was so cheap that I ended up buying, I think I bought 15 of them or something like that. And I mean, <laughs> I didn't want to, I didn't want them to run out of stock in case I liked it, right? It's a good way to save some money. But it turns out it only lasted for about 20 or 30 minutes of me like sitting perfectly still before it disappeared and I started to smell like a teenage boy again. It also gave me a lot of rashes. I think the rashes actually came from the fact that I had to put it on every 20 minutes, Brian. But (laughs) I think, well, it had flames on the package. It was just like truth advertising. Right. This will cause a burn. Yeah. Yeah. It also, it said it was energizing. It was supposed to give me more energy, but I, I, yeah, I never... Maybe I like that was reacting with the monster in your blood. Oh, maybe. It's like the, the, they have like a adverse reaction. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I ended up throwing all that deodorant out. And now I only buy my food there. I don't buy deodorant or anything like that. So that's my story of saving money. My most recent story of saving money that didn't go well. Now, I've also got Brian Park and Alicia Leggett on the podcast today. Brian, have you ever tried to save a bunch of money and it really didn't work out it ended up costing you way more money mm-hmm yep i i bought a couch an ikea couch and it was the teeny tiniest one because we were in a teeny tiny apartment and i thought it would fit well that thing sh- it need it's a war crime it should it should be sanctioned by the geneva convention or something it was horrendous you could not sit on it you could not sleep on it you could it was yeah How much so was it? I don't know, 200 bucks, 150 bucks. It was, yeah. it was cheap. I just moved back to Vancouver. I had my first real job at Rocky Mountain Bicycles. I was, yeah, trying to save some money. And uh, I ended up having to buy a really expensive couch that I still have. And it's really nice still. So I had to pay twice. Oof. What about you, Alicia? I also have a couch story. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I also am in a teeny tiny place. And also was looking for a cheap option for a couch and found this guy on Facebook Marketplace with a pretty small couch. 
that seemed like it would, you know, go well in my place. It's a nice blue color. Went and met up with the guy, and he was super weird about it. Should have been a red flag. It wasn't. He was what, first what off was he super doing? late. I mean, he showed up super late, and then he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Just take it. I was like, oh, but I mean, should I just look at it? He's like, no, I'll help you load it in your van. I was like, yeah, cool, whatever. <laughs> I, it sounds I want like it couch. was haunted, and he wanted it gone, maybe. And then did he have got it deodorant on it? Did, was he wearing <laughs> deodorant from the dollar store? I honestly didn't get that close to check, mm. but we're going to go with yes for the story. Then we get it loaded up and he kind of looks me over and he's like, this couch should hold up pretty well for you. You're a pretty small person. And I'm just there like, <laughs> sir, I'm a full grown adult. Like first, that's factually incorrect. Second, that's very weird. And then I bring the couch home and like three weeks later, the side falls off. Anyway, I still have the couch. It's right here. It's held together with zip ties now. It is holding up okay, but you can't lean too hard on that side. Did you ask for a refund? No, I have opted to not speak to the guy again. Oh, that's probably the smart move. <laughs> it feels like the smart move. I feel okay about my couch because it was cheap. Less okay because it's broken. This week's Pink Bike Podcast is presented by Hammerhead. Their Karoo 2 is a next-generation cycling computer that brings the power of advanced GPS navigation and intuitive software right to your handlebar. For a limited time, Pink Bike Podcast listeners can get a free Hammerhead heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Karoo 2. Visit hammerhead.io right now and use promo code PINKBIKE at checkout to get yours today. All right, next up, we've got some questions. And the first one is for me. This is from Xanda23. He wants to know what tires I prefer to use, what tires we prefer to use when we're getting rowdy on a short travel bike. Um, He's looking for some advice to for what tires to run in the wet weather and beyond. And he's looking for a good balance between pedaling performance and grip. Hmm. Polarizing. I think we're going to have very different opinions here. Oh, I bet we are. Brian, do you want to go first? No, I, I like that you saved this question for when Kaz wasn't on the pod. <laughs> well, Kaz's answer is like, ask guys, front and back, max traction, <laughs> 2.6. All the time. 2.6. Kaz, you're no. wrecking it. <laughs> he wouldn't take 2.6. No, I don't know what no. he would do, but he would choose something too grippy. You can ruin a bike with too much tire, mm-hmm. I think, anyway. So with that in mind... There's lots of good stuff out there, but honestly, I would just do like 2.35 minions. They're hard to go wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. it's hard to go wrong. The damn things, they just work. Lots of compounds. You can get them in whatever casing you need. I don't understand why you wouldn't pick those unless you wanted to try something different with less traction. Um, In which case, maybe something a little bit lighter, like a Hans Dorf, my my favorite. Are they Uh, your favorite right now for that sort of mixed terrain thing? I'll, I'll always like them. Yeah. They, I yeah, mean, they, they're a lot better than, like, I like a Hanstomp now. I didn't, it didn't used to be a very good tire. Yeah. I, I mean, I have no argument against Kaz. Like, yeah, they, there's not as much traction as, like, is something burlier, especially here in Squamish. It's wet and rooty and steep and all that stuff. Uh, but there's a lot of places in the world where that is a better tire than something that's more aggressive. What about you, Alicia? Do you like, what do you like for tires these days? I think I'm kind of on Kaz's side of this, where I'd rather overtire a bike than undertire. Maybe not ask guys front and rear, but yeah. DHR2 front and rears, I would do that, or DHF, DHR. I feel like it's hard yeah. to go wrong with yeah. that. And especially, yeah. I mean, if you're trying to just get aggressive on a short travel bike, just put good tires that you like. And it's not worth it to kind of slip around and feel sketchy, unless you're Mike Levy. <laughs> yeah, unless that's, unless that's a feature, not a bug. Yeah. DHR2 front so, and rear. 
Day Jeff, I yeah. hope you're into that. Have either of you guys ridden what's the name of the trail in Oregon? It's all famous and it's really long next to a river. And everybody oh, McKenzie. There we go. Mackenzie River Trail. Have you guys ridden that? Yeah. yeah. No. Long time ago. It, it's not a good trail. Well, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> it's not a trail that I enjoy. Jesus. People I, are gonna be angry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> One of the problems might have been that I rode that trail with sticky rubber DHRs on. And, and like brand new ones and just you could not carry it the tires were just too slow to hit that like minimum rolling speed to make yeah. the trail enjoyable so uh, it's so grumpy the whole time yeah yeah i will say so we just finished the fall field test we did it in pemberton and the downcountry bikes had schwalbe wicked wills on them which aren't great if you're trying to get really <laughs> rowdy when it's when it's rocky and steep and scary, they're not that tire. But I will say for somebody who wants like a relatively fast rolling tire for their 120 mil bike and you don't live in Squamish or Whistler or Pemberton or whatever. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that would be a, a reasonable choice. I also think you have there's something to be said for having the tire match your small travel bike and, and having an 800, 900 gram tire. I think in the winter I would I would put bigger meats on but then in the in the you know April May try and get try and get nice 7 800 gram tires on there maybe We don't know what this guy means by smaller bike and so he could be talking about like full on XC in which case Wicked Will might be the option for him Yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly right now Kaz is somewhere so Kaz is on <laughs> uh Kaz is taking a little bit of time off everybody right now though he's looking up and he's like why am I angry I'm I'm in a bad mood all of a sudden. <laughs> he he's I guarantee you he's in the sunshine in Sedona right now and he's not mad at all. Is that where he went? Yeah. Oh man. Oh. I know. That'd be nice. Yeah. Could Pink Bike get a house in Sedona in December for two weeks? How about in February? How about in December and February? <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Our next question. Oh, this is this is for Brian Park. Surprise, surprise. This is about 3D printing. Um, <laughs> Did Brian write this? Yeah. No, it, it's it's Brian's not my alter ego. It's not. <laughs> I swear, he, like three people care. He says it would be cool to hear some more about 3D printed parts that you've experimented with. He says he just recently got into 3D printing. It's a weird hobby. Making parts or accessories for my bike sounds like fun. Uh, Brian, he wants to know if you have any success or failure stories. I made some pedals that have held up surprisingly well. That's been You've been using them? Yep. Oh, nice. Um, I've used them. I mean, I haven't ridden nearly enough in the last six months, but yeah, I've used them a, a reasonable number of times and they haven't broken. So you made the bodies, you printed the plastic mm-hmm. bodies, mm-hmm. and then and got, did you... I got you the spindles the from, uh, from uh, Nuke Proof, um, which is... Titanium. Nice. Titan- well yeah i got i of course you had to have a reason for existing so they're the lightest world's lightest platform pedals how much uh 200 grams oh they're actually 203 grams but i need to find something to shave off. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's unacceptable this week's pink bike podcast is also presented by michelin tires the french tire brand is proud of its 2021 ews champions melanie pujan kareem amour and eews winner nicolas voyos the new Michelin Wild Enduro and the Michelin DH were the tires of choice for those champions throughout the season. Follow Michelin Bicycle on Instagram to learn more. 
All right, and that brings us to today's discussion about saving money. And it is not easy to save money these days. We're constantly bombarded with flashy ads and subliminal messaging telling us that we need this or that in order to be better at the thing we do or to fill that missing piece of our broken heart. Maybe that's just me. Point is, there's a lot of pressure to buy shit you don't need, and it's super easy to get tricked. So today, we're going to talk about how and where to save money on some of this bike stuff. All right, let's start off by talking about complete bikes. Obviously, super expensive. They can be. Um, Let's talk about buying used, because I think that's obviously the way to get into the sport, save a ton of money, and a way to get screwed if you're not careful about it, eh, Brian? Mm-hmm. I, I just want to set the stage here. We're all sitting around our computers talking to a screen. Mike Levy's wearing a Rafa uh, hoodie talking about buying It was free, bikes. everybody. I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> so, so just take everything we say with a grain of salt. Like, we are the least qualified people in the 100%. entire industry to, uh, to really talk about price. We're... I think we've got a unique perspective, but it's mostly coming from other other our experience with other industries. Yeah. And pre-Pink Bike. Yep. And pre-Pink Bike. Levy doesn't remember that time. He's erased that <laughs> from his life. It's too long ago. I worked at a bike shop for forever before Pink Bike. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some tips for buying used bikes. And the most obvious one to me is don't buy a bike that you can't see in person, which I know is hard sometimes. Brian... If you can't see the bike in person, what are some of the things that you can do to make sure that you're not getting screwed? I I would really struggle to buy a bike not in person unless it was checked over by a mechanic that I knew and trusted. Um, I would yeah, I mean I'd spend some time calling around to find a mechanic at a shop that I actually you know put some stock in, um, and then I'd pay. I just pay them the money. You know, spending a hundred bucks to have somebody go over a bike with a fine tooth comb. To save your, you know, save you from having a broken frame down the line is not stupid. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that, especially if you're buying something expensive. Brian, I was on the freaking buy and sell this morning. There's a lot of stuff on there, and a lot of it costs a lot of money. <laughs> like, people want a lot of money for their used bikes. <laughs> yeah, well, it's supply and demand. There's not a lot of supply right now. Yeah, exactly. And I think if I was spending, I mean, there's four or five, six thousand dollar used carbon bikes on there. It is well worth calling a bike shop in whatever town this bike is in and paying some extra money and getting the guy to look at it. And they could also box the bike and ship it to you as well from there. And then you know for sure there's at least no cracks that they found on the frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? If if you can see a bike, what are you checking? I mean, the obvious one, you look at all the all the usual spots behind the head tube. So inspect the frame first. Behind the head tube, look at those chainstays, the chainstay yoke up by the bottom bracket. If it's aluminum frame, look at all the welds. Um, it's a car- if it's a carbon frame, cross your fingers. <laughs> if it's well, if it's a carbon frame, look inside the chainstays where the tires have rubbed through the carbon. And then, as far as components go, you want to check that fork for bushing play. And to do that, all you do is grab the front brake. It's just like checking a loose headset. And you put half your hand on the stanchion tube and half your hand on the lowers and rock it back and forth. See if there's a bunch of play. Bushings are expensive. And annoying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Alicia, have you ever bought a used bike? I have, yeah. How did that go? a while, though. It actually went great. Sometimes you can kind of suss out whether someone rides a lot or rides a little bit. 
And mm -hmm. unlike your riding partners, you want riding partners who ride a lot. You want to buy a bike from someone who rides a little bit. So your ideal right. person is going to be like a guy who works at a shop, gets cheap bikes every year and really values having a nice bike, but doesn't actually ride it. Right. Once in a while, so, you find Alicia that unicorn. Alicia takes a social engineering approach to buying a used bike. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I do. Like, if the bike all in all seems pretty good, which obviously go through your checks, like check the frame, check the suspension, check the parts, make sure everything's been at least decently maintained. But then, like, if the person doesn't ride that much, they probably haven't broken it. I have sort of a different piece of advice for buying a used bike that's a great deal, which is that the best deal in the world is still a shitty deal if it's the wrong bike for you. Like if it's the wrong size or not the bike for what you want to do. Oh, for sure. It's not, you know, it's like, okay, great. It's got XTR on it, but you wanted an XC bike and you now have an enduro bike. Like that seems stupid. I feel like there's, like, there's a basic a starting place where you have to have the foundation built before there's anything else on it. Mm -hmm. And that foundation yeah. is like, figure out what kind of bike you want, figure out what size you are, you know, know how tall you are. Don't buy a tall person bike if you're a short person. Yeah. But that's one of the hardest things is because people who are attracted to buying a used bike often are people who are coming into the sport that don't have the knowledge. I, I have some good, bad advice for people. The, the people that work in bike shops won't like this, but the people who are buying used bikes will like this. If, if you're looking at a bike and you're not able to get throw a leg over it or see it in person... If you could find a shop that sells that brand and you could go there or something that fits similar and at least see if that size is right for you, you know, maybe be honest, tell the the guy in the sales floor, guy or woman on the sales floor, like, hey, I'm not going to buy this bike, but I want to check my size. That's not a bad strategy. Just, you know, buy your t-shirt or whatever helmet there at some point. Don't buy a used yeah. helmet. So like go and buy the helmet from there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other thing that I thought of is checking in the forums. Now, I usually would not recommend going into the forums for almost anything, <laughs> for any sport. But, I mean, it's not a terrible strategy to type the bike name that you're looking at into the forum and see what comes up and see if people are breaking swing arms. Maybe if everybody's breaking swing arms, you're not going to get a warranty on your freaking third hand, whatever it is. So maybe that's not the bike for you. I mean, the obvious other ones are drivetrain wear because a chain that that gets expensive wheels are expensive yeah. well it's not just a chain is it yeah it's never just a chain uh yeah i don't i don't think you should worry too much about tires or like the consumable stuff because it's consumable um, yeah you're gonna have to replace that stuff, yeah probably so yeah. you you know it might save you three months or something but it's not a huge deal um, i feel like the tire or the wheels thing though i'll second that like they're probably the easiest thing to thrash and one of the more pricey things so like mm -hmm. the ratio of thrashability to cheapness is just all wrong for buying a used bike. Thrashability to Definitely cheapness. Check that's, that. a, that's an important I like science, that. Brian. Yeah. <laughs> what about what about if somebody has found they've managed to find a new bike on a shop floor? Let's pretend it's not 2021. There are new bikes out there. Okay, we're pretending. <laughs> what now? Do you just buy it? <laughs> well, that's my <laughs> advice. But Where'd are, we go are, from here? are you asking? Are you asking about complete bikes versus building up? Yeah, well, definitely don't build up a bike. Yeah, not to save yeah. money. Yeah, no, if you're building up a bike, you're going to pay eight times as much as you should pay. I think, I think Unless in you one already the... own half the parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you have a yeah. closet full of miscellaneous gear, then maybe. In one of the early podcast episodes that I wasn't on, Levy and Kaz and somebody 
tried to they tried to like build bikes out of with a budget and <laughs> everybody built sensible bikes and levy only got like two he got like a frame and then he ran out of money maybe he got frame and suspension and then he ran out of money <laughs> i've been in the bike industry for too long i'm not very good at this anymore <laughs> What I was going to say, though, is if you are buying a new bike, you can find some things that are a few years old, if you're lucky anyway, and save some money as long as it still fits you well. There's a certain point that it's not the same year with all brands, but you could go back, you know, three years with this brand and the geometry still works just fine. And that's mm-hmm. the most important component on a bike is the geometry. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll if go you back go back five years and, and go up a size and cut the seat tube. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And put on a way shorter stem. So you can definitely find some new bikes out there. Well, maybe not right now, but you might be able to find some new bikes out there that are good deals. Just make sure they fit you right and they're not too dated. Should we talk about buying new and in this mystery world where new things are available and you are choosing individual new components, Mm -hmm. where to spend and where to save? Yeah. And let's start with suspension because it's the most expensive. Yeah. Well, I'd be curious uh, about you guys, but for me, suspension is the hardest to upgrade. So if I was buying a complete, I would, I care a lot more about having good suspension versus, or like a reasonable suspension versus bad suspension than I do about like frame material or carbon cranks or something. We'll get rid of carbon to start with on a budget. There are a lot of people who will buy the carbon framed bike with the absolute trash components over the same price aluminum bike with nicer components because they feel that they can upgrade that in the future. That's like a strategy that people have. I, it's not for me for a lot of things. To be fair, not many brands offer aluminum frames with decent, nice suspension. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. most of them, if you're on aluminum frame, you're getting the damper that's three levels down. Mm -hmm. We should also say, if you're looking to save money, don't buy new suspension because maybe your stuff just isn't set up correctly. <laughs> that is a really good point. <laughs> I'm just saying these things are expensive. And the, I know we harp on and on about this, but I just see so many people with the suspension set up not even close to where it should be. And you could spend a thousand bucks on a new fork and it's not going to do you any good if it's not set up right. So when, when we say good suspension versus bad suspension i just want to make sure like i think that that entry level charger damper is just fine and i think that that rhythm the rhythm on the fox side and or i guess marzoki side like that is a perfectly good damper Mm -hmm. um and i like at my level i would be fine with that forever um you know it's nice to have better but i would want to make sure i got to the minimum to like that and then everything else is gravy like it's easy to roll your eyes at like Kashima being more expensive or some of the n- newer things being quite fancy. I have a very fancy fork on the raw, <laughs> that EXT, but I think all of that, it's, it is diminishing returns after you get to those, that like charger slash rhythm level. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The value field tests that we've done in the past have been very eye-opening experiences. Um, a low-end fork damper makes a massive difference mm-hmm. in performance. And a lot of times it feels like the air springs in the lower end forks are also not nearly as sorted as they should be. You mean below the charger rhythm? Level. Below, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So once you get below that stuff, there is a difference in performance. But I mean, I'll say 
put me on the entry-level charger, the entry-level rhythm, put me on a decent X-Fusion fork, I'm not going to be held back. Would you say that's fair, Alicia? You wouldn't be yeah, held back Yeah, I totally either? agree. It's interesting at Field Test just now, we were talking about some of the bikes that the company sent us to test. And we were talking about how some of them we actually would have liked more if they'd sent their mid-grade models, just because they'd represent such better value. And yeah, like the top end is not necessarily the best for everyone and wouldn't even be reviewed as the best by us because mid-grade is perfectly solid. Remember when we had those that pie-in-the-sky idea of how we were going to limit uh, what bikes people could send to the field test to a certain price range, and then and then the world went to shit, and we were just like, please send us anything that exists. <laughs> we'll take any bike. doesn't have wheels. <laughs> we tested yeah. literally any bike this past time around. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that... I should mention too is it wouldn't hurt to maybe consider something that you could repair yourself or work on yourself. Um, it's easy enough to drop the lowers, but some of these dampers are more serviceable than others. Um, and doing your own work is a good way to save some money. I mean, suspension rebuilds aren't cheap. So, and if you like to do your own work, it's definitely a, a good way to save that money. Yeah, I mean, buying a ton of tools is definitely the answer. You don't need it. You just you need, need a all hammer of them. and a saw and a multi-tool to rebuild your EXT fork, Brian. Everybody, everybody just buy all the tools and keep telling, like, <laughs> I do it all the time. I'm like, if I, if I buy this really expensive tool, I'll never have to buy it again. It's going to save me tens of dollars in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Brian it's Park so Fantasy satisfying. World podcast. Exactly. I'm the same way when it comes to tools, man. I have tools in the bike shop and in the car shop I am never going to use. But I was like, I was walking through some aisle and I'm like, oh, that's a cool tool. I need this. <laughs> For sure. How to not save money. No. But it. I mean, there, I think that there probably is an argument for investing in yourself in some knowledge, like going and taking a mechanics course or something. Or going back in time and getting bullied in a bike shop when you were 14, like, that saves you a lot of money down the line. It'll yeah. break you internally, but it'll save you a lot of money. Yeah, I would agree. Or even just go to YouTube. Like, mm -hmm. th there's videos on everything on YouTube. Like, you need to replace a shift cable. You need to replace your drywall. You need to frame a house. You, need to, know, you need to know the truth about aliens. A hundred percent. I'll send you links later man. if you guys want. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about drivetrains now, because that's another place where it's super easy to spend a ton of money if you want, and a lot of us do, but I would also argue that it makes close to zero performance difference on the trail, eh, Brian? Okay, so I think to set out some parameters, we're talking about trail bikes, where weight matters less. I think that, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping you're not saying we should buy used drivetrains, because... Definitely not. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Definitely oh, not. <laughs> I think drivetrains that you get along with, I think there are better and worse drivetrains, but going from a Dior drivetrain to an XT drivetrain or XTR drivetrain, it'll be, it'll be weight and it'll be that double click on the shifter. But other than that, it shifts very well. Give me a break. Yeah. I mean, no, 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 I mean, I, I have, I'd be perfectly happy with Dior forever. Okay, I good. might want, mm -hmm. I might want the lighter cassette because I'm bougie. Yeah, yeah I mean, the good thing and with drivetrains is you can mix and match. Yeah, like you're not stuck with one group set, and I think a lot of people get stuck buying, you know, the pricey thing because they want the nice derailleur, and they buy the whole thing when you don't That's have to. That's the stupidest to. one. Yeah, 
That is Don't the do dumbest that. one. Do yeah. not spend money on the fancy rear derailleur. That is just Access silly. or nothing, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, at least then you're in that whatever world. But I mean, I mean, the thing where the product manager specs your bike with SLX, but then puts an XTR rear derailleur on it so that they, for the showroom floor like that. So shiny, though. Has no tangible benefit to you. Shiny. Tangible benefit. Yeah. Okay. No. One tangible benefit. <laughs> yeah. It Now, it makes no difference on the trail, though. Like, if you... Mm. You should just do the SLX or the Dior or whatever it is. Um, the weight difference, there are way more important places to save weight. And most of that weight difference comes from the cranks, mm -hmm. which some low-end aluminum cranks, I mean, they could... Let's be honest. They could be boat anchors for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure, you could you could save a ton of weight by getting some carbon cranks, but I don't mm -hmm. think that's this podcast. You can save a ton of weight by getting decent aluminum cranks over yeah. the really heavy ones. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You can get like nice for those SLX cranks are way lighter than the Dior ones. I also think that there is an argument to be made to run a slightly lighter cassette, just because it is unsprung weight and no one notices. Nobody notices. Nobody notices. You know, there's an easy spot though where there are just a lot of grams yeah. sitting there. Exactly. And it it doesn't cost that much. I think I think you can you can have a very sensible Dior plus drivetrain. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe nicer we build cassette. our let's build our cheap drivetrains that we like. Yeah, sure. Uh, it'd be a D Dior cassette. Oh sorry, a Dior rear derailleur, SLX cassette, SLX crank, and then the nice chain. Uh Pretty similar. I mean, are we trying to save maximum money or what about just full SLX? I think that's... Yeah, exactly. That's pretty fantastic. Hey, how do you guys hmm. feel about um, about some of the alternative drivetrains out there, like the microshift stuff? Uh, well, I mean, let's be honest. It doesn't work quite as well. Mm -hmm. there, there are all sorts of other interesting options out there um, with less cogs. And there are other companies with aftermarket cassettes that are crazy light that are a lot less expensive than some other light cassettes. The shifting is never 100%. Mm -hmm. It's it's just mm -hmm. never 100%. Shimano just basically beats everybody on that front. Um, cassette and chain, I think Shimano does a really good job. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would agree. All that stuff depends yeah. so much on um, who you are, though. Like Some people will never have their bikes 100% dialed. Like some people, they don't your care. XCR shifting isn't going to be on point. So might as well get micro shift, right? That's for like a thousand dollars less. Yeah, that's fair. Well, that is fair. Yeah. Yeah. So same with suspension. The best way to save money is to not buy a new drivetrain, of course. And the way that you should do that is just look after your current one. Keep the chain super, super clean. Buy yourself some sort of inexpensive chain checker. Because if you replace your chain before it gets too bad, then you don't have to replace your fancy cassette. Yeah. Do you guys have any other tips for keeping drivetrains running smooth? Levy, are you on team solvent bath or no? Oh, maximums. I'm on team brake clean. Oh, no. Oh, yes. no. Oh, no. I clean my drivetrains in my don't little listen shop to Mike Levy. and I get a nice little buzz going, listen to music. It's great. <laughs> I'm not on team nuke your drivetrain with solvent. Everybody. Well, that's why my drivetrain is going to last four times as long as yours no that's because you're gonna ride it four times <laughs> and then get on a different bike <laughs> yeah and you weigh like 36 pounds why wouldn't you why don't you solvent clean your chain not all the time of course because you don't want to strip all the lube out of between yeah, the rollers but that's why yeah and uh, honestly like i'm on i'm on i think alicia and i were talking about this we're on team dumont tech oh yeah um and uh 
Dumontek is is oh. that's the right answer for chain lube and um and you don't need to you don't need to clean your chain very often and it does a great job. Yeah. I'm on team free lube which is <laughs> Or whatever shows up <laughs> right now something weird <laughs> something weird and too thick yeah yeah fair enough okay let's move on to breaks um spend you don't, all the money spend well all the you money. don't need to you don't need to when you do spend all that money you're getting a ton of adjustments well not a ton but you're getting some more adjustments you're getting a tool free reach you might be getting some sort of bite point adjustment you might be getting carbon lever blades and titanium hardware and all sorts of stuff that doesn't matter. Alicia, would you, when was the last time you had a ride and you were like, God damn, that ride was awesome, but it would have been so much better if I'd had 50 grams less on my brakes. If my brakes just weighed 50 grams less. Yeah, absolutely never. And how many times have you had a ride where you're like, oh shit, my hands hurt. I wish I had a bit more brake. Slightly more often. Yeah. I mean, it's like... I'm on the same side as tires. Like I'd rather have a slightly more aggressive bike almost always. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I think for brakes, that... especially that's the place. Yeah. It's like the thing you're using the most pretty much out of anything well, on your anyways. bike. <laughs> I mean, you're touching them constantly. Like you're going to notice. I just think that it's, it's a place to save money. Sure. But not weight. I don't think the weight excuse is viable anymore. Now that four piston brakes weigh like, Casimir, we were talking about a field test video and Casimir cornered me and said that they, he has a set of four piston brakes. They weigh like eight grams more than the two piston brakes. So I had no longer mm-hmm. have any excuse. And he's kind of right. Yeah. You know? Was he talking about the G2s? Uh, I can't remember. Uh. But basically buy the least expensive four piston brakes you can get would be my, from a major brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that the best deal on brakes out there, if you can get them, are those Hayes Dominions. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of fly under the radar, do their own thing, but the, having the like the double bleed thing in the back is really slick, and they feel great, and they're not crazy pricey. They're not light, but I like them. Yeah, I'm gonna give a shout out to TRP. I've got a couple different TRP brake sets on bikes over the years, and they've always worked really well. Slightly less expensive than some of the other stuff. They're not flashy. They just mm-hmm. work well. What about you, Alicia? Have you used anything that you like? I go for the fancy TRPs, honestly. The kind of cheaper mm. ones are really nice, but they don't have the bite point adjustment. And I think ah. that's worth spending money for. They are really heavy, yep. pretty much all of them. But with rotors getting thicker and like, I mean, TRPs, the master of thick rotors with the 2.3s, it kind of just doesn't matter at this point. Yeah, that's a that's a super good point, actually, is if your brakes suck right now let's say you have some two piston brakes and they're Mm -hmm. not that great and you want something with more power but you don't have the money to upgrade to an entirely new system what about just upgrading rotors big rotors Mm -hmm. get some adapters you're going to have more power maybe get yourself some new centered pads it's probably the least expensive way to get more braking power and do a bleed do a fluid flush Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i have probably the easiest thing you could possibly do to make your bike. Right. I have a set of really, really, really light brakes that are two piston brakes. Um, and they are the most powerful. They're inc- they're more powerful than most other four piston brakes when you start riding, but they do fade. Like just having small rotors and two piston brakes, like there's just not enough mass there to keep them from heating up. I used to run Saint brakes on this 24 pound Remedy. 
and I had a 140 millimeter rear rotor with a <laughs> Saint <is> so backwards <laughs> with the same caliber. I was just experimenting. I was just playing around. I don't understand it, but I love it. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. let's talk about another place where people love to not save money. People love to spend money on tires. Mm-hmm. Tires are so expensive. I think you all are crazy to be buying Schwalbies <laughs> and Minions at full retail, if you, you ask me. You literally, like 15, 20 minutes ago, told somebody to buy DHFs. That wasn't a budget yeah. thing. That was a that was a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, people don't have that many options for tires. It's not like Wait. there are twenty dollar tires out there that are that great. Yeah, that's I mean, true. Not twenty dollar tires, but you could find tires that are like thirty percent less. Yeah, I think yeah. WTB is kind of the threshold for nice tires. Mm-hmm. As if I remember correctly, they cost less than pretty much all the other options out there: Maxxis and Schwalbe. And they're pretty good. Like, they're actually really good. So that's one you could go to. But yeah, people are just out of options with tires. I think that the sleeper brands for the tire options are are bike brands. It's Specialized and Bontrager. Yeah. Trek. Um, Yeah. Actually both make really good tires um, for cheap. And that makes me think, Conspiracy Guy makes me think that there must be such great margins on tires that it just made sense for the bike brands to go and make their own OE component because it's they're perfectly good. Yeah, no, they're great. Mm-hmm. They're great, but n- less people are okay running Bontrager tires on their bike than Maxxis tires for sure. Yeah, I I have specialized tires on one of my bikes right now. Um, like those butchers with the with the um, shit. I'm gonna say it wrong. T9 is it? I don't know. Whatever. It's sticky rubber. Yeah. yeah. Butchers and and they're really good tires. Like I have no. I've got other tires sitting there and I have no reason to, to change them. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, hard though. Cause nice tires just are objectively a little better, even if not a lot better. And it's hard when it's something that's an easy way to make your bike better. Are they though? Yes. A, I a think tire so. Yeah. It's a bigger, it's a bigger difference than like a rear derailleur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And depends yeah, on the course. conditions. Like I rode some Bontrager. It was like the Bontrager Asagai and the Bontrager DHR2 essentially. And they were amazing in the in the dry, and they were absolutely horrendous in the wet. Like for me, that's a time when it would just be better to go with what I really like mm-hmm. and know, even yeah. if it means spending more money. The other thing there too is you, you mentioned something there. Mentally, sometimes it might be worth it to just spend that extra money. If let's okay, let's just be honest here. Like a brand new set of sticky butchers, they're not holding any of us back. And you listening, they're not mm-hmm. going to hold you back either, okay? You're like, you're just fine on them. But the brain's a funny thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And maybe spending a little bit more on tires, because you saved all that money on your suspension and your brakes and stuff, maybe that might be a good place to spend that extra money if mentally it gives you more confidence. Yeah. The best bike is the one that you feel good about riding. So if it's tires that make it feel good to you, great. Ideally, just... You know, maybe adjust your preferences so your standards are lower. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. It's worked out really well. It's my biggest piece of advice here. Just lower your standards. All right. We're going to wrap this thing up with comment gold. This one is from Mountain Goat 13. And on the last podcast, Henry had a great story. Henry was at field test. Henry had a little mushroom adventure that could have gone terribly bad, but it didn't. 
for us anyway. I mean, it was pretty rough for him, but it's a great story. And Mountain Goat 13 says, WTF, Henry tripping his Buckingham balls off, and we don't get an entire podcast dedicated to that? Come on, Pink Bike, let's do this. Mountain Goat 13, I sort of agree. I had been trying to convince Brian to do a video where we do, we test what it's like to ride under the influence of certain drugs. Maybe we can do that for a podcast instead, Brian, instead of a video. No, no. If we do that, it definitely needs. It'll, yeah. Maybe, maybe that probably won't happen, though. <laughs> you know what? We'll do it, and we'll put it behind the paywall. Da, da, da. All right, that's it for us talking about how and where to save money on mountain biking without getting screwed. I think we've had some decent ideas, but as always. Tell us how you would do it in the comment section below. Do you only buy used chains and chamois? Do you earn extra money by selling your used brake pads? Let us know, and we'll see you next week. 